What's up, guys? Josh here from the Rising Action Podcast. In today's episode, Grayson and I talk about a director in Denis Villeneuve that seems to always make great movies, and yet we feel isn't fully appreciated in Hollywood. We do a deep dive into his filmography, and as always, talk about movies and books that we've been watching and reading. All of that and more is coming up soon, but now I'm going to shut up and get into it with Grayson. Interlinked. What's it like to hold the hand of someone you love? Interlinked. Do they teach you how to feel finger to finger? Interlinked. Do you long for having your heart interlinked? Interlinked. Do you dream about being interlinked? Interlinked. Have they left a place for you where you can dream? Interlinked. What's it like to hold your child on your arms? Interlinked. What's it like to play with your dog? Interlinked. Do you feel that there's a part of you that's missing? Interlinked. Do you like to connect to things? Interlinked. What happens when that linkage is broken? Interlinked. Have they let you feel heartbreak? Interlinked. Did you buy a present for the person you love? Within cells interlinked. Why don't you say that three times? Within cells interlinked. Within cells interlinked. Within cells interlinked. An excerpt from Blade Runner 2049. Bingo. Bingo, bongo, bango. Rising action. Rising action. Oh, should be good to go. I believe so. I just want my phone call. What do we actually know? Rising Action Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Rising Action Podcast. Josh and myself are back. It's me, Grayson. But how you doing, Josh? I'm doing good. How about you, man? Pretty good myself. A little tired. But other than that, I'm doing quite well. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, that's... I don't know. That's just a common theme. I just, it's I just work a every lot. day. I work yeah. a lot and it sucks because I'd rather be doing stuff like this, but I also need the money. So if you guys want to send me my, my Venmo is at Shradester8 and my PayPal is Shradester8 at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate to the cause <laughs> of Rising Action, the very pleasant yeah if you want to give us a review on apple podcasts or spotify that will help grayson quit his job yeah honestly <laughs> i mean you know one small step for rising action one uh, inevitable giant leap for grayson me, you know yeah and you and maybe. me maybe i well we'll see yeah anyway <laughs> I hope you guys are having a good day, evening, morning, whatever time it is that you're listening to this episode. Uh, before we I hop- just realized something. I'm very excited because totally forgot. Sorry to totally cut you off. No, you're good. Um, because of the topic today, that means I get to choose a really cool quote from probably a movie that I really like, and I'm very excited. Yeah. In yeah. case, I mean, the quote will already, it will already have been heard. Oh, you've already heard it by this point, but like, I don't record it till after. Like, I always decide after the fact to fit what I think is best. So, uh, hopefully it doesn't suck. Uh, let me know what you think about my VO skills. I actually, I got a, a text from a friend. He, uh, last week he was listening to our episode on animation, and I did the opening quote from Spider-Verse. And he was like, dude, I loved that. And it's like, thanks. It was really good. That. It was long. I, yeah, I mean, it was, like it was about a minute. two seconds. Yeah. yeah. But it, it sounded just like the voice actor who played uh, Peter Parker. In Chris Pine? It sounded Bro, just I'm like gonna, him. I'm going to take that. <laughs> I mean, it sounded... <laughs> I mean, it's if, one of those things, like, I, I've listened to that opening so many times. Like, 
even when I don't watch Spider-Verse, sometimes I'll just watch that first 15 minutes because I just love the opening of that movie. And yeah. I love like how it just kind of throws you in and you're like, all right, let's do this. Like it's like a roller coaster. Um, but I I don't know why, like when it comes to Spider-Man actors, like I remember when Civil War came out, I remember I I still can do it sort of. Um, I'm not going to attempt to do it right now because I kind of have like a groggy like after nap voice, um, which I'm sure will go away here soon. But I could nail Tom Holland's like kid Spider-Man, you know, because he kind of has that like boyish yeah. thing. Yeah. And I, I remember one of my friends being like, what the heck? I thought you were playing a clip of that. Like we were on Xbox and I was like, dude, heck yeah. Anyway, that's what it sounded what like. Saying. So diving right back into it we're gonna knock out some housekeeping items here before we get into the episode you can follow us on instagram at rising action underscore we post fairly actively on there uh currently we are doing a delayed wrap-up of nine of our favorite movies yeah we were gonna do one for each day but i mean i don't it didn't happen but i mean hey it was a holiday weekend cut us some slack you know like we took a july 4th holiday from instagram and we're back in fact, Plus, I like, just recorded a video like an hour ago. So, yeah, I, I recorded all of mine. I did it literally on my phone, and it was it was kind of annoying because behind the scenes, unrising action, uh, I couldn't edit it by myself on my own piece of hardware because Josh has many Apple products, including uh, a couple Macs, and I have Windows, but I have an iPhone. So for some reason, when I would record it and then upload it through Google Drive. It would not let me put it in my editing software, and if it did, it would just be the audio. And I'm like, I don't need the audio. I already recorded Ew. the audio. So anyway, I pretty much had to send it over to Josh and be like, yeah, here's this raw, uncut thing. I'm so sorry because you do all the work, and I make, it makes me feel bad. It's fine. You know? I I love it. It's it's fun. No, you're supposed to tell me, no, Grayson, you don't do, or I don't do all the work. You help a lot, too. That's right. Grayson, you, just, you <laughs> just lend your sexy voice, and everybody listens. Wow. For your Sexy. voice. Yes. Speak I said yourself. what I said. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get on this episode. Anyways, uh, we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at joshjohnson98 and on Twitter and letterboxd at josh underscore j98. Where can they find you, Grayson? At Schradster8 on Twitter, Instagram, and letterboxd. I, for a while, actually, that's why I hadn't been watching many movies, but the past couple days... Um, I'd, I'd watch some and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to get back to uh, rating them on Letterboxd. I don't usually have the mental capacity to write down a full review, so maybe I'll write down like a sentence or two. I used to be like this I don't always habitual do re- reviewer where like I would watch a movie and I'd write like freaking an essay. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't do don't, that at all. I'm like, like I mean, if I re- if I'm like really on fire for a movie, I will you know write more about it on there because it's kind of like a little diary on on movies and short films and stuff you've watched. But yeah. Um, yeah, right now I'm just like, I pretty much write pretty down. Cool. Like, I write down whatever comes to my head first. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's a really dumb line. Sometimes it's intended to be funny. Yeah, because I know a couple people will read them, and then sometimes it's just I watched I this. Yours. It was boring. Yeah, but sometimes they're serious. Sometimes I actually put in some effort. See, I only have like five friends on Letterbox, so it's very much just like when I see one pop up, I'm like, ooh. What is this going to say? And then it's like, I'll laugh or I'll be like, okay. <laughs> Well, speaking of movies, why don't we hop into this uh, creator-themed episode? We're going to talk about Denis Villeneuve. My favorite director. Is he really? Time. Yeah. 
Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't yeah, know yeah, that. I, I guess I didn't preface that. Yeah, Denis Villeneuve is my favorite director of all time, probably because everything I have watched of his, I have never been disappointed. So, um, there's definitely something to be said um, for that, and he's interesting. Just to preface, before we start talking about some of his movies, I kind of want to mm-hmm. talk about him as a director in general, yeah. kind of like an overarching umbrella about him. Yeah. And Denis, th- he's interesting. Um, because yeah. a lot of times I find, at least for my own taste, for me personally, that I will watch certain directors' films and they're really good at a specific aspect. Like, they do one thing really well. Like, yeah. for example, Robert Eggers does period pieces better than anybody I've ever seen. Um, who else am I thinking of? Uh, I'm blanking. David Fincher does Atmosphere probably oh, better I than anybody mean. I've ever seen. Uh, also, um, uh, is it David Lowry? David Lowry does world building probably better. Really? The, yeah. It, it's subtle with him, which is really cool because when you say world building, you think like massive. Uh, yeah, I'm spo- thinking like, like, you know, like Game of Thrones right, or you think something that, like that. But the, it, the, the world building that he does really well is the subtle stuff. Okay. So all of that being said, Denis Villeneuve, I feel like, does just about everything well, which is rare. Um, I feel like him and um, Christopher Nolan are a couple few directors that seemingly could do anything. Right. Maybe maybe a comedy would be difficult for them. I don't know. Oh, but I feel would, like yeah. I feel like they could just about do any kind of drama. But even genre. then, like it's like it's not like their movies like. Their movies can have really funny moments. They can. Like, like they I'm, really I'm can. Think, like I'm thinking of uh, of uh, for both of them, you know, just moments in specific movies where I'm like, I I laugh every time because I'm like, oh, that's just such a great like lighthearted moment. Yeah. And what I would say, Denis Villeneuve's movies are for the most part pretty grim. I, I don't know. If I would say a little super bit super grim, but they're not on the lighthearted side by any means. No. Um, their atmosphere is a lot more. Um, a little bit grittier. Their, their, their tone, yeah. It's grittier, a bit more on the rougher side of things, which I personally love. Um, I, as, as everything must come back to my nerdy roots, I, I remember we um, did an episode of Comic Blast. By the way, you can also find me uh, at com- or on Comic Blast, which is a podcast that I also do. Um, go check us out or go check me out over there, and I'm sure I'll get Josh on an episode very, very soon. But we did an episode talking about what directors we would want to see helm a Star Wars project or a Star Wars movie. And I remember number one for me, at least I'm pretty sure, was Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Because I think what he does with... So the two, the biggest one, and this is my... We'll get into this in a bit deeper, but my favorite movie of his was Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Which is also just one of my favorite movies in general. I think it's one of those rare exceptions where it's better than the original Blade Runner. Or like, mm-hmm. but not, sorry, better than the original because while I do love the first Blade Runner, the second one just exceeded all expectations for me. Which is very tragic because it did not make a lot of money. And he's also doing Dune, which is yet another it's gonna be kind so of classic... Cool. Yeah, it's like a cult classic sci-fi movie, right? That was yeah. you know, that's already been Frank done, Herbert's but, Dune, right? Um, so, so I've got an interesting theory, and this okay. is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but not really. Mm-hmm. I feel like Denis Villeneuve, uh, referencing what you said about him directing Star Wars, I mm-hmm. think he would have done it perfectly. And I'm going to use Blade Runner twenty forty nine as an example. Okay, 
the things that I feel like made the Star Wars trilogy, the new one, so rough was that J.J. Abrams copied what made original Star Wars good. Like he just yeah. lifted um, the original trilogy's plot lines, put it in the new ones. But Ryan Johnson like retconned everything. He's like, I'm going to yeah. burn the whole world to the ground. So they yeah. are on polar opposites where it's like, you, you have J.J. Abrams who's like, I'm going to copy everything. And yeah. Ryan Johnson's like, no, I'm going to destroy everything. Yeah. I think Denis Villeneuve would have been in the middle because like with Blade Runner, yeah. he made something completely new from the original. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was very much its own with its own new characters oh, and its own world. But it was like still Blade Runner. Like you could yeah. watch it and, and be it like, t- yeah, that's Blade Runner. And it took the important aspects of the original as well and made it like, we're like, yes. yes, this is a sequel to the original. But also like, really? You can watch that movie on its own and it still make perfect sense. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a really good example of a great sequel. A lot of people oh, say yeah. uh, Terminator and Terminator 2 are like mm-hmm. really good examples of an original and a sequel. Blade Runner and Blade Runner 49 are great examples of a sequel, and therefore, I believe, Denis Villeneuve would have done Star Wars exceptionally. But that's I think he could me. do a ton of stuff uh, exceptionally. Um, yeah. a lot, and I think that's why they're getting him for these lesser-known um, sci-fi franchises. We were saying before this, he's starting to become more of a sci-fi director. Yeah. Um, and and uh, 2049 was kind of the start of that. Um, and now with Dune being his upcoming project and, and Arrival was definitely his, which we're, we're going to get into, We're going to get into pretty much all of his heavy hitter films. Yeah. Um, Why don't we about, kick things off with Blade Runner 2049, though, since yeah, we're already well. there? Mm-hmm. Give give me some of your thoughts about it. Um, I, I know I've got quite a few, but how did you feel about it right after watching it in the theater? So I remember this was a movie that, like, when it had been up to its release I was not excited at all because I was never a Blade Blade Runner fan you know I was like this is whatever and I remember like seeing a trailer and I believe it had probably my favorite shot in almost any movie ever and that is it's so it's not the cliche shot of that movie where it's got the the gigantic um joy the you know the yeah when she's like purple and then it's like and which is a fantastic shot great shot shout out to Roger Deakins we're gonna get into that because he is almost always with um, Denis in almost all of his movies as a cinematographer and I think they're a fantastic duo they are um, but my favorite shot is right after that where it's Ryan Gosling with like the bloody nose and his like face is illuminated purple and he's oh just yeah up and when he's, he's just, like, like walking back to his apartment and he's just looking up at the yeah yeah like it, it gets it's like right after that shot and that's like one of my favorites because I'm just like uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I love Ryan Gosling, and it, you should go totally go check out my small video on uh, Drive, which was a Netflix recommendation that I had. Um, so that was a big intrigue of mine: is that like Drive, what Blade Runner twenty forty nine was also like, kind of gave me those vibes in a way. It was like where like I'm I've said it in a couple of these videos. I'm a huge cyberpunk synthwave, eighties neon like that is like. If I had to choose one aesthetic, that would probably be it. Like, I just adore that entire style. Mm -hmm. So I was naturally started to get drawn to 2049. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to watch the... I did not watch the theatrical cut of the original. I watched the the director's cut. Yeah, or the final cut or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, And there's like that movie is weird because it has like... There's the theatrical cut, which is not what what Ridley Scott wanted to do. 
studios were like, this doesn't make any sense. You have to do this. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who do like the theatrical cut a lot, but it's different because it has a different ending and it has a th- like a this narration thing and it's a lot more like happy go lucky and it's just weird. Yeah. Um, the there's three cuts, right? Yes. Yeah. So there's yeah. that the theatrical. Then there's the directors, which is pretty much the cut that everybody knows currently yeah. is like being the most popular one. The final cut, they just changed the color grading a little bit. Interesting. Um, which is and like. I, I, that's the version that I have. I think they basically make it a bit more bluish to kind of fit with like the, the, the city. So, and I know a lot of people like that. Some people don't like it. They prefer the directors, but, um, it's really, you're watching the same movie. Just, it's got a different color tone. I, I, um, I'd have to look it up and compare it and see, but so I did my homework. And then I remember there was these, okay. One thing that was really cool that I, I also, I, I love about Denis Villeneuve is um i'm gonna start calling him dv from now on just to DV. just to shorten it up that DV. makes it easy yeah because i'm like oh, i don't want to say denis i don't want to say villeneuve it's like cause he has like <laughs> it's a, the his, french canadian it's yeah, like oh, it, precisely yeah so i'm just like dv that's what we're gonna call him all right um before the movie's release he did some collaborations where he got other directors to do little short films that were set before 2049 they would bridge the gap between 20 or 2019 which is when the um original takes place um and so basically explaining kind of the 30-year gap so one was like an anime one was about dave bautista's character Mm. um one was like about jared leto's character man i forget like all these actors were in that movie that's actually kind of crazy um so and those were really cool. If you if you own any version of it, I believe all of those are in the special features. And you should absolutely, um, if you watch Blade Runner twenty forty nine on a rainy day, which it is raining right now, and it would be perfect for it. It's a I perfect love to watch rainy it day on an overcast rainy day. Yeah, because yeah. it's like that's just kind of like the whole another part it's of the that vibe. aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It rains so, a lot in that movie if you think about it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like it's half like, the movie, it's raining. It's dude. I'm not gonna lie. It's a pretty depressing movie. Not like yeah. Like it's gonna make you cry, but like it's not gonna make you happy. If right. That's, like, but it is a like very well made movie. So when I got out of the theater after that whole spiel that I just gave, that was probably totally unnecessary. When I got out of the theater, I was like, that was really good, and I was like, and I, and it was one of those movies where I just kept on thinking about it. I was like. Yeah. Oh man, like the more I thought about it, the more and more I loved it. Cause I, I was not disappointed in it at all, but I was like, I, I guess I would say that I was expecting a little bit more action in the movie, but that wasn't like, I was disappointed by it at all. Cause it has some really, really cool action. Yeah. Um, that's one thing that I think, uh, DV does well is, you know, subtle action or like doesn't go overboard. Cause he doesn't really make action movies. Although I, uh, he we'll builds in. intensity in his mm-hmm. action. Like I think of Sicario is probably the best example of this, that mm-hmm. the whole, uh, there's a scene on a bridge, um, where the protagonists are looking for bad guys, but they yeah. don't know where they are. And it's just this packed bridge full of cars. And they're like, they could be in any one of these cars. They just don't know where they are. Yeah. The intensity of that scene is white knuckle insanity. Like, yeah. you're sitting there like, I don't know where these people are, but they're about to kill everybody. And the protagonists feel it. Like, you can yeah. tell in the way that it's just, like, shot, choreographed, the way the actors are 
doing their performances, you can tell everybody's about to die. It feels like in certain movies, uh, I, you know, I'm, com- I'm comparing what you're describing to uh, like similar to Extraction, where like the the main character's like going across a bridge. You never really yeah. fear for his life, other than like the sniper that's like shooting at him. All of these other guys, you're like, yeah, he's gonna take out just fine. I love when movies make even just a single seemingly cannon fodder you know antagonist or just some guy that's like in the way actually feel like a threat yeah and that is something that dv does really well because especially with blade runner because k K gets absolutely wrecked in that movie oh yes uh what was okay i don't remember the actress that plays her but she's another um she's another android yeah and what do they call do they call them replicants is that what they're called yeah okay um she's another replicant and she wears like all white and like is kind of like one of the main villains of that dude she's terrifying like yeah and i love that and man the cast in this movie is really well done there's some unsung heroes in it for sure um i really appreciate robin wright's performance in that movie yes um she's she's not a huge character at all but she does a really great job like i said dave bautista that scene might be really my favorite good. scene in the movie, and it's like the opening scene, basically, mm-hmm. um, yeah. in that little hut, cabin, house thing. Yeah. Um, it's a great so, scene. Yeah. There's so much about the world there. Um, DV gives you a lot of world building in that scene, mm-hmm. um, and I'm trying to think of specific examples, and they're, they're going over my head at the moment. I can't think of anything specific, but I remember... Um, realizing from that scene uh, just initially some basic things that you would need to know like Kay is a a cop this guy is somebody that uh, these cops are being sent to hunt down Mm -hmm. he's an older version of Kay essentially yeah and there's a lot of even more than world building there's a a lot of mirroring between the two characters and what's called a theme stated yeah Um, initially in, in plots you'll have in like the first five percent of the story, what's called a theme stated, which is kind of like a, a a foreshadowing of the theme, where it's like this is kind of what the story is going to be like. And typically, it comes out in dialogue. So, like a mm-hmm. character will say, you know, what it is the the theme of the movie, uh, the theme of the movie is. And yeah. you get that uh, with Dave Bautista. He says the theme stated in that scene and it's just really powerful because you can see the parallels between the two characters and then uh it humanizes k while it it allows him to be sort of this anti-hero that you can pull for because uh you know starting off your antagonist by killing somebody is probably not the textbook way for you to get your audience to like him but somehow it does because he kills Dave Bautista's character, who's a very likable character. You empathize with him a ton Mm because you pick up on the fact that he's been eluding capture and he had a wife and he, he basically did the right off into the sunset deal. Yeah. And he's one of very few people that were able to do that. And now everything's catching back up to him and they're going to kill him, which is super, super sad, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like it's stating in foreshadowing, uh, Kay's, arc because that's essentially what's going to happen to him yeah sort of throughout the rest of the film really really good job there plus you also get uh with the tree um there's just a lot of like symbolism and and different things like that about what he's saying about what they've done to their environment in this society and 
and how they they treat human beings and how they treat life and how they value things. It's very right. cool. There's a lot to it. Um, and you kind of pick up more each time you see it. So it's definitely yes. a movie that I would say watch three or four times because you pick up more yeah, Even though nuance. it's three hours long. so It's so long. but it's yeah. And it's <laughs> slow, but it's really, really, really good. And, and yeah. that's like a really... <laughs> Like a dumb, I don't, I don't, a lot of people will be like, yeah, this movie's great. It's awesome. And I always want to know, like, why do you think it's great? But, um, I don't know. Like, it just leaves you with this feeling that you've seen something really, really cool. Yeah. And also, one thing that's awesome that another thing that DV does great in a lot of his films, and it stands out here and Arrival especially, is the sound design. Oh, Yeah. It like first the the score um, and sound design is just really really well done. Um, he he just creates like uh, so I believe Hans Zimmer did the score for uh, twenty forty nine, which was yep perfect. I freaking love it. I think I it was know, him and like Benjamin Wolfish or something. Who did um who did Arrival? That's a very you know? good question. I don't know. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Um, but that he creates kind of like the I don't know this kind creates of haunting euphoric sound um that is really really well done um, the score of arrival is by johan johansson okay don't know who that is what is what is i don't johan? know i really don't know but um they both do a similar thing and Hans Zimmer is known for this, maybe from the Dark Knight trilogy, but he's done a obscene number of movies where he has this, he has a similar sound is what I'm trying mm. to say that, that goes through all of his films. And he does that with uh, 2049 where he, he gets the, the big um, kind of like mountain peak moment sounds Mm-hmm. And he kind of like makes them fit the whole sci-fi steampunk yeah. uh, aesthetic. Steampunk? I don't know if steampunk it's is not the, steampunk. the word you're What am I trying for? to say? Synthwave. Cyberpunk. That's what I'm trying to say. Synthwave Cyberpunk. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, synthwave. Um, he, he, I don't know. It's it's very typical of Hans Zimmer. I remember watching it thinking, oh, yeah, this is this is a dark night, but yeah. synthwave. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could see that, though. Um, it's... I, okay, one thing I do want to talk about with Blade Runner 2049 is the use of miniatures. And I actually get, have not seen a lot of behind the scenes of this, so do enlighten okay. me. So I I get really excited about miniatures. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of practical effects. Oh, yeah, um, same here. Some of the best use of miniatures ever in like Lord of the Rings and, uh, well, Lord of the Rings. But yeah, yep. uh, one thing 2049 does is every building that you see in that movie, aside from like the very first scene, every building in Los Angeles is a miniature, which is insane because some of those establishing shots, yeah, which, okay, this is why it blows me away so much. Those establishing shots feel so big. Yeah. Um, the atmosphere and just like the, the skyline, everything looks enormous. I was convinced like the entire thing was just CG. No, it's miniatures. And it's a, it's set extensions, but it's miniatures. That's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, like it's, so like when you think like about it. movie makes you feel so small. It does. It's what, like, I remember seeing the, the big screens on the side of the buildings. And it really felt yes. like Times Square 
but like you know the 60 atari, years in the future like the yeah. atari logo and all that you're like yeah you're like oh my god like it just dude. feels like a massive place mm-hmm. and and that's all miniatures which blows my mind because that's, it's yeah. so I mean, obviously they accentuated it with CG. There's mm-hmm. a lot of atmosphere and stuff that they kind of pumped in there to make it look the way it looks. But right. the buildings themselves are miniatures. Yeah, that's which awesome. is insane to me. So I'm curious. Um, I feel like we should move on to Arrival, which is another sci-fi flick. That so uh, Arrival was the first uh, movie of his that I saw. I think came out in 2016 i saw the extended cut in 2017 there was like uh, added a couple more scenes not much i pretty much saw the same movie yeah i think that was the first movie of his that i saw if i'm not mistaken um, i think i've seen prisoners first that might have oh, been really? the first okay. one i saw of his yeah arrival might have been second though so i think i saw arrival and then because because of that i was like i saw that uh, 2049 was like, oh, that's the same guy who did Arrival. I loved that movie. Okay, yeah. Um, so then I watched that. Then I believe the next one I saw after that was um, was Prisoners, and Prisoners is one of my favorite movies of all time. And then uh, then I saw Enemy, and I will probably watch Sicario tonight because I was going to watch it before this episode. However. Uh, I only got like five five hours of sleep because I had work and I was like, hmm, do I want to be dead for this episode and have no energy whatsoever <laughs> and take a nap or, 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 and watch the movie or do I want to take a nap and be well rested and actually have the mental capacity to talk in a coherent manner? Yeah. I chose the latter. So to um, preface this real quick, we're going to yeah. do a, uh, spoilers review slash discussion about this movie so if you haven't seen arrival yet or for that matter any of these movies yeah please go watch them because i guarantee you we will spoil something oh yeah and it's gonna piss you off if you haven't seen it so please for your sake before you listen to the rest of this go watch yeah. the movies I'm we're talking we about didn't su- we didn't spoil 2049 at all we didn't yeah which i'm proud of but yeah. arrival we're spoiling because yeah. i think the uh the the thing that makes this movie really cool is the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got it a very is, unique plot. It's very original, and originality is very few and far between in Hollywood. We all know this. So, this is one Grayson, that why don't out. why don't you give us the 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 four one one on okay. Arrival's plot? I'm gonna try to summarize this as best as I can. All right. We follow perspective of Amy Adams. She is a uh, professor at a college. I believe she teaches. She is a linguist. So yes, and a philologist. I have studied before. Um, I've stud- I did a linguist class this past year. So very very complicated. And I was like, wow. Okay. So you. So now looking back, lady's very smart. What happens is, you can tell she's very depressed, but she's like a teacher, or whatever. Anyway, one day. These beans from the sky uh, come down, these gigantic black spaceships that are just these kind of like weird looking uvula things. Um, <laughs> yep. Like, I think, how many of them land? I think it's three. Okay. Or, oh, in the entire world? Yeah. There's like one for every continent, so it might be seven. Okay. I, yeah, I was about to say, there's like a, there's a, a limited amount of them. They don't, okay, when I say they land, they literally just come to Earth and then they just sit there. Yeah. And everybody just starts 
freaking out. The governments, like there is like people start losing their minds. Very similar to when this pandemic started, how people just started taking toilet paper and rioting and stuff like that. That was what was happening. And people were like, we're all going to die. Well, they just sit there. They yep. just They just sit there. And what happens is the military ends up contacting Amy Adams' character. And they're like hey, we're going to try to make contact. We're going to try to go in this thing. We found, like, there's a way to get into this. They go, she ends up meeting up with the military, and they end up going in there. And they realize there is, like, the. it's just, like, this very eerie, really creepy, like, you, you don't, like, it, it's it's terrifying. I'm not going to lie. When I watch this, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen in this movie. It's like well, ink monsters. Yeah, they're like little ink squid, they're like ink squid, squid dudes, and they get in there and they start putting these kind of like ink circles on on this glass because there's like a glass barrier where they're just like in this smoke and you're like what the heck yeah um man i'm getting like so many like nostalgic memories like thinking about this movie because i'm like oh god like i remember like thinking about my pr- thought process during this movie i'm like what is going on well more or less um she ends up trying to decipher this language and she has to do it in a very speedy manner because if they don't, they're going to start open, opening fire on this. Uh, like, they're going to start shooting it. And she's trying to basically prevent, like, a war because yeah. she knows these creatures are peaceful. And more or less, she ends up deciphering the language and figuring out that their language is not a language, but it is related to time. And it introduces the concept that time is not linear, but time is a circle. Yeah. So... They end up getting to you get it to the end of the movie and it starts explaining all this stuff and so Jeremy Renner is in the movie he plays a scientist and you can tell like there is a connection and and they make it very clear throughout the movie that Amy Adams has this daughter that has died and, and yep. that she is lost she, she has died lost. from cancer right and she is no longer married and does not have her daughter anymore well then she like falls in love with this doctor guy and they have a kid. And you realize it's the same kid, and you're like, "What the heck?" And then she's like, "Get it!" Like she's gifted all these awards for like, you know, like creating world peace with these like aliens. But I think inevitably they just fly away, like yep. because basically they came to teach this concept that time is not linear, but it is a circle. It is like a loop. And she ends up like having a kid and her husband, and they end up like getting a divorce and all of a sudden. And you're like, "What?" Like you're like, "What?" Like this it. It, it's it, mind-boggling. It, it, it literally will boggle your mind. I remember before I had seen this movie, so because it came out in like late in 2016, and then they re-released it in 2017, and my dad and I went to go see it because um, my dad and I are very huge uh, film junkies, and we love going to the movies, which is why recently it has sucked. Um, and I remember my youth pastor being like, yo, this Arrival movie like, is crazy. And we were like okay and we went to go see it and i remember we we went to we talked to him one day and we were like what what just happened like and but i mean it was so well done like yeah and it's it's it reminds me a lot of interstellar in a way in ways where it introduces this kind of crazy concept that you're just like what and i would definitely say it warrants a rewatch as many of his films do because they they all of his films i believe they introduce something, but by the end, I wouldn't even know if it's a twist. It, maybe it is a twist. Um, but he throws something in there that you're like, 
oh, this changes everything. Yep. And whether that be with Blade Runner, Prisoners, um, I don't know about Sicario. Does Sicario have something like that? No. Um, it does have a twist. Okay. Uh, how do you say this? Essentially, one uh, character is um, subverting... He basically kind of does this whole 180 where you mm. think he's in the story for a certain reason and then it turns out he's in there for a completely different one. Mm. Um, so it's this weird thing where like you think he's going to act a certain way for like three quarters of the movie and then the yeah. last quarter you're like, whoa, he just kind of okay. went way off the rails there. But yeah, uh, it totally works. And I think... Um, with that movie, he kind of like switches his protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Emily Blunt for most of the movie, you feel like is the protagonist. And then in the last third or so, it's like, oh, it's actually kind of Benicio del Toro, which is really bizarre. Um, mm, okay. But it's super interesting. And yeah. it's so, kind so of like... I would say it's something that basically uh, what I'm trying to get at is that these movies introduce an element that make you reevaluate the entire story. Yeah. Where you're like... Oh, okay. And Arrival very much does that. Um, and I, I admittedly, I have not, re- I've only seen Arrival once, and I really want to rewatch it now that I talk about it again. Um, and I most likely, I'm probably going to go through a, a DV binge when, uh, w- before Dune comes out, if it comes out this year. Who knows? Let's hope. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so that's, that's Arrival in a nutshell. Um, yeah. So I and think it's probably one of the craziest movies I've ever seen. It's and trippy. Also, one of the most beautiful movies. Right. Just, it's just. It just. It's incredible in every aspect. It's um. It's weird, and it's it's kind of this. I don't know. It feels like the kind of movie that would be lumped in with Interstellar, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh yeah, this is one of the coolest movies ever. Yeah. Um, but it's not talked about a whole lot really and I'm not no. sure exactly why that is. I don't think it made a super high amount of money. None of his movies never really, they, they, I don't think they, well, except for Blade Runner, which definitely underperformed. They don't, yeah. they don't bomb most of the time, but they but don't they're make not like, smashes. Yeah. And it's really tragic to be honest. I just honestly, I think it's probably attributed to marketing reasons and the fact that like, you know, Dude, Tenet has been marketed out the wazoo, right? The guy yeah. who did Interstellar and all of this stuff. Like, Denis Villeneuve could easily be a this director that everybody loves, but just nobody, like, not, I mean, mainstream people will go and watch it. I, I've, but like, clearly, because like people from my church went to go see Arrival, and I'm like, oh wow, okay, I'm impressed. Um, yeah, but you know, they're not these movies that are like crazy popular they're nothing like there's no they're no marvel movie they're no christopher nolan like and i and i think denis villeneuve is in the same league as christopher nolan i would say their their distinct style tone atmosphere whatever right yeah and in terms of class of filmmaking i think they're a lot closer than i think some people would want to think yeah um christopher nolan it's it they're very different christopher nolan has a specific tone that is in all of his movies. Right. Um, and uh, DV does as well. But Christopher Nolan's tone is a little bit more commercial and a little mm-hmm. bit easier to sell. Uh, Denis Villeneuve's movies, I think all of 
the the mainstream ones are R-rated, which I think inherently makes them, except for Arrival, Arrival's PG-13. Yeah. Um, that inherently makes them a little bit more difficult to market to the masses. Um, Christopher Nolan always, his films are always PG-13. Um, there's no, like, there's nothing in there in terms of, like, language, uh, gross violence, uh, nudity, any anything that would make, like, your mom not enjoy the movie. Yeah. None of those are in a Christopher Nolan movie. And those things are in a uh, DV film. And I, it, that doesn't bother me. And they're always in service to the larger story. So I never see those aspects in a movie and think, ooh, gross. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't turn me off like it does some people. Yeah. But the point I'm trying to make is, uh, Denis Villeneuve, he makes films that are fantastic movies but for whatever reason, and I can only speculate to those reasons, they're not exactly commercial successes, and that really is kind of a tragedy. Yeah, I, I think he, the, those movies, you know, as much as I want to be the hipster and be like, oh yeah, I watch these movies that not a whole lot of people have watched, only like maybe a third of people have watched, I he deserves more success. Um, yeah. And I'm curious probably what his most his biggest movie was. Um I, I'd imagine in terms of success, it probably was Sicario because Sicario was definitely marketed as the most action-oriented. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's, you know, people will, will clamor to go see action movies. It's one of the most popular genres. Um, and he doesn't make a whole lot of action. I mean, even Sicario is described as more of like a, a thriller, more than like a, it's like an action thriller. Um. He's not trying to make this just like crazy action like movie. He's trying to make like he uses the action in his movies to enhance the story when it's necessary, not let it you know um, be the focus. Which I commend, you know, because not everything has to be some action movie. Um, he he knows what he wants from his project, and that's a really cool yeah. thing. He's um, definitely a director with a vision. And I think that's what I love. I love his vision. Yeah, that's a specific talent that not everybody has. Um, Directors that have a vision and can execute it are a dime a dozen. It's like Mm -hmm. David Fincher in that aspect. David in that aspect. I I feel like Denis Villeneuve is like a combination of David Fincher and Christopher Nolan. A little bit, yeah. That's like because like Christopher Nolan has these like crazy like ideas and concepts and very much original Hollywood stories. And David Fincher also has original Hollywood stories, but more of that like R rated grittiness that, and then they're kind of just combined. Um, And I'm, I'm really excited to watch, to, to go back and watch a couple more. Um, Why don't we move on to after like, unless there's anything else you need to say about arrival. um, No, I think that's it for arrival. Let's take a quick break. And then we'll come back and talk about some worlds we've been exploring. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're going to talk about some worlds we've been yeah. diving into. Grayson. Um, 
okay, so this is something that I have not talked to you about. Uh, I haven't really been reading many books or playing many games, so uh, you know I, we gave our reviews on those on Dark Souls three and Last of Us Part two last week. So I'll keep it short and sweet. I watched uh, one movie last night. It was an A twenty four movie, um, and I wa- It was called Locke. Have you heard of this movie? Is it L O C K E? Yes. I have not seen it, but okay. I know what you're talking about. Okay, so it is. Probably my favorite A twenty four movie now. Um, okay, and it is. It's got Tom Hardy. Came out in like twenty thirteen. The basically, I, I don't want to get into the plot, but the the premise of this movie is that the entire movie takes place with this guy driving down the interstate in a car. Oh yeah, he's like a taxi calls. driver, right? No, no. He he's literally okay. He just gets off work and he has some like basically some a lot of events that are going on, and it's. The entire movie is based on dialogue, like, but interesting. It, 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 it builds character so well. I think it's about it's probably like an hour and twenty minutes. Um, but it's just it's this guy in you know in the UK, and he is dealing with all of these things in through through just calling on his phone in his like B in his like BMW SUV. Yeah, um, and. It got. It was really, really good, man. Like I was like, I am totally on board with this. It's not like there's not any action. Like it's not like anything crazy. It's just a guy in his car managing all of this stuff through phone calls and talking to all these people, and you're following the narrative, and you're re- like, you are completely invested in this guy's mental state because there's also some like other things that happen. Yeah. Um, Total, like one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. I don't know if I'd rewatch it per se. Maybe I would just to pick up on some things. I, but I don't think it really warrants too much of a rewatch. Yeah. But it is really well done. Cinematography for it just being a guy in a car. There is so much great cinematography. I was like, wow, I love these shots. Like really cool inserts and yeah, and just things that like visuals while you're almost like it, like it feels like a movie you could listen to. Like you could probably just listen to like while you are driving as well, like on like a road trip, which is really cool. Interesting. It, they just, I don't know, like every little aspect I was like, wow, this is in on paper, probably a really dumb concept. Like it's just a guy in a car talking to people over the phone, but like it has a really good narrative and it feels really grounded as well. Um, I like that. So yeah, definitely check out Locke. I was. I'm uh, gonna have to do that. Yeah, I've it, been told uh, about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Seth has told me that it's something I need to watch. Yeah. Um. I, in fact, I think one of the short films I wrote, he said, was a lot like Locke. I know what you're talking about. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 That's that's I pretty cool. Yeah, you should check it out for sure. I will do that. Uh, This past week, I watched two movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got them both at Redbox, by the way. Just in case any of y'all don't know know this, you can buy movies at Redbox for like four bucks. You can buy Mm -hmm. Blu-rays. I don't know how this is not a thing yet, but definitely go buy movies at Redbox. They're really cheap. Anyway, I got uh, Invisible Man and Ad Astra. And I watched them both. Okay. And Invisible Man. No, get into Ad Astra first. I want to hear that. Ad Astra first? Okay. Ad Astra felt a lot, and this is fitting, Ad Astra felt a lot like Blade Runner 
2049 for me. Okay. It is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the cinematography is absolutely incredible. In fact, I wrote, I'm going to read my review on Letterboxd. If you don't follow me on Letterboxd, it's Josh underscore J98. Uh, I wrote, the cinematography in this movie is absolutely incredible. It reminded me a lot of Blade Runner 2049. Such a great use of contrast and color. I mean, that's, it's, it's slow. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not exactly the most breakneck paced movie, but it is so beautiful. And if you enjoy great images, you will love this movie. Also, the score is really good, and Brad Pitt is fantastic. I do love um, Brad Pitt. Bra- He's so good in this movie. He uh, displays so much character, and the arc that he goes on in this film is incredible. Right. Um, it's kind of a little bit cookie cutter in terms of plot. Like Maybe this is because I read books about plot, and I, I write a lot. Maybe it's just yeah. I kind of understand how these things go. But it felt pretty simple in terms of plot. Like we have a character that in in terms of their character, they go from point A to point B. They have this arc. They have events that happen right when you would expect them to happen to kind of like influence character changes. So in that, ex- in that respect, it was a little bit cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. But altogether, I really enjoyed it. I could see how some people would not because it was really slow. And you kind of have to be committed. I also think that movie was marketed as like this action space movie. Yeah, it's definitely not. Yeah, I'm like, it's doesn't, it's not that. It's not that at all. I haven't watched it personally, but I've been meaning to check it out. So I believe it's on HBO Max. So I may give it a shot. It is. It, they yeah. just put it on HBO last week and I bought it not knowing it was on HBO. And <laughs> yeah. then I saw it and I was like, oh, of course they put it on HBO right after I eh, bought it. Well, you know, anyway. inevitably it'll get taken off and you'll own it. Yeah. Ad Astro is really good. Definitely watch it. Uh, the next movie I saw was The Invisible Man. And oh, man. What, what are your thoughts? Okay. How do I make this concise? Um, <laughs> it's amazing. 10 out of 10. Best movie of all time. I'm just kidding. No, but like it is really, it, really good. It's really, really well done. Um, it reminded me a lot of a book I read not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of The Girl on the Train? Yes. They made a movie out of this book with Emily Blunt in it. Okay, the movie yeah. stunk, but the book the book was incredible. Okay. I don't know why the movie stunk. I never watched it. I just heard it flopped. Oh. Don't know why. Anyway, it reminded me a lot of that. It was a classic psychological thriller. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually based on a movie that came out in the 60s, 50s, something like that. Okay. Uh, the concept, I'll be honest. When I watched the trailer, I thought this movie was going to suck. Um, I don't know why, but I just had this feeling. I was like, eh, it looks kind of gimmicky. I don't know. Okay. But the, it, it just kind of, it was a great twist. The score was really good. Um, dude, yes. The The sound design. The sound design is great. So good, dude. The coolest part about this movie. And I, uh, I did some digging. So the guy who wrote and directed Invisible Man also wrote and directed Upgrade. Which is yeah! one of my favorite movies. Yes, dude. Oh man, it's Lee, See, Lee that Winnell. makes so much sense because the yes. both of them are like really like they're like mildly cyberpunk. Yes, and I freaking love, love, love Upgrade. So it yeah. makes sense why I loved this movie as well. Yeah. Full so I personally, 
I What's that? I freaking love Invisible Man. I watched it. Yeah. Did I watch it two or three times? I think I watched it twice in theaters. I watched it twice. Okay, good, good. Because there's <laughs> things that if you watch it a second time, you like you pick it up. Yeah, yeah like, yeah, it. Oh man, like you when you watch it a second time and you're listening, like if you listen to like very closely, that's why the sound design is so important because like it's an invisible guy. You have to like listen for like movements and stuff. Yeah. When you get to that twist at the end and I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Cause I feel like this movie definitely went under the radar and came out like right. It came out in February. So it was kind of right when Corona hit and pe- many people didn't get to see it. Now that it is available for digital platforms and also like Redbox and whatnot, I don't want to spoil it or anything. Cause I, I feel like there's going to be people that haven't seen it, but yeah, there's things that you pick up on the second time that I was just like, I had chills. I was yeah. like, oh man. And man, dude, I I just love the concept of this movie. It is not the traditional Invisible Man, Mm-mm. but it it works. It's the in Invisible so many Man ways. with a facelift. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, um, so what was your favorite part of that movie? Without getting into massive spoilers, because yeah. I I know so, what my favorite moment is, but I'm not gonna get into spoilers. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it pretty tame here. Um, we could totally spoil this for everybody. And yeah. I really probably after this episode kind of want to know some more what you think. But yeah. for now, my maybe favorite. Maybe we'll do mo- like a bo- bonus episode or something. Maybe uh, we could. Yeah. I, anyway. I'd love to d- dive deep into that movie. My favorite part of this film, and it's kind of very similar to Upgrade, is the use of robot cameras. Um, there's a scene in the kitchen where she is wrestling with the invisible man mm-hmm. and it's shot using robots. So there's an establishing shot in the kitchen when she walks in and it's from the crown molding and it's a robot that kind of like uh, does this pan, but it's like mm-hmm. a circular pan, yeah. an oval pan uh, to kind of like establish you into the room. And then every movement is followed by a robot which means that the movements are extremely linear. Um, they're like quick and direct. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's very much like you can tell it's not handheld. Yeah. He did that an upgrade with his action scenes. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Who is this director, by the way? Lee Winnell. Okay. I'm going to have to check out more of this guy's stuff. Dude. Oh my word. Yeah. Um, once I saw it was upgrade, I was like, oh crap. That makes sense. Like it feels does, a lot it like does upgrade. Feel a lot like it. Yeah. Um, it's really good. Yeah. I I watched it twice in the last week. Um, he Grayson's right. There's a lot of things you pick up on on second mm-hmm. watch, and um, it's also just really well written. Well written. Well written. It's very well written. It's very well written. It, no, it's well written in its plot and like you really um, empathize with the main character um, yeah. and get into their psyche, and I and acting is really good in this movie like you really you really believe in a lot of the relationships and yet again like not like uh, not like crazy world building but like you you do feel like this is a tangible world and um i'll say my favorite moment is we'll just say it's the hallway uh uh fight scene sort of um uh, are we talking about the it's basically just the invisible man getting to f up some dudes and yeah. it's awesome 
Like, yeah. I, I literally, I, okay, I, know I, what I, about. I was just like, oh, yeah, dude. Like, I, yeah. listen, people are probably going to think I'm actually a psychopath because when it gets to really <laughs> good fight scenes, I just get like so amped up. I'm like, yes, yes. Yeah. This movie definitely had that for me. And, um, I've recommended it to like three people already. Yeah. Um, I, I, by the way, random thing. I told so my buddy Keenan on Comic Blast. He, he uh, he's a super into Hot Toys. He's got a couple. And if anybody doesn't know, Hot Toys are like these really in in depth like uh, one six scale collectible figures that are like straight up like the craziest action figures you'll ever have. If they made one for the Invisible Man. Oh, I'd lose my mind because I, dude, the suit design for him—it's so, it's cool. so good. I, I don't, I don't want to get into it, but like, it's, it's so original, and I just love. It. I'm like, that makes sense, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, they explain things that you shouldn't be able to explain. Like they explain how this guy goes invisible, and it makes sense, yeah. which is really, really interesting it's because cool. I wonder like how that meeting went, where he's like, yeah, so. I want to show how this guy goes invisible and all these people looking at him like, how in the crap are you going to do that? He's yeah. Like, Just wait. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It, it, it is definitely like if you're a diehard, like invisible man purist, I don't know if that exists. I'm sure it does. I'm sure people probably were underwhelmed, but I love the original take on this character and this franchise. And I hope, I don't know if there's going to be a, I, I hope he kind of does this, this like weird technological um terror universe thing where like yes it's like set in like you know a very near future maybe within the next 15 years and it's these like these i don't know like it just like yeah i I, i'm kind of speechless right now but like i the more that i just i really love that movie and it's my favorite movie of the year so far granted not many movies have come out this year for obvious reasons um so you know yeah, um, when I make my list on Letterboxd, it will be very high up there for sure. Also, you also uh, you finished your book, right? Oh, uh, Kings of the Wild. Yes. Had I not finished that? No, I did. Not, not I last did. week. I finished. I finished. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I finished Kings of the Wild. I've been talking about that for a while, haven't I? Yeah. Just going to um, some some quick thoughts, real quick. Quick. quick thoughts. Uh, it's <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a great book. Uh, I think it's probably one of the fantasy books that I would be quickest to recommend mm-hmm. as kind of like somebody who doesn't read a ton of fantasy. Um, it's fantasy without all like the old school aspects of it. Yeah. Um, it's got super simple prose. It's very easy to digest. The characters are super, super good. You like a lot of them, and it's really funny. Um, I was, I'm thinking of a scene where uh, the main character is hiding behind a rock and two giants are running past him. Mm-hmm. And this this scene is just like the author just being a... I don't know. Like It's just so funny. But yeah. uh, one giant says to the other one, he's like, so I literally froze my balls off last night. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, no, you didn't. You figuratively froze your balls off. He's like, wait, so when they're not actually frozen, but they're frozen, it's figurative? And he says, yeah. If you would have literally frozen your balls off, you would not have any. And he's like, oh. So then the main character in the next scene takes that literal figurative joke and he yeah. uses it on somebody else because they're like, 
uh, I don't remember exactly what they say to him, but mm -hmm. they're like, I can't like literally you should be dead or something. He's like figuratively and it's perfect. Like it just works so well. Um, it's a good book. It's yeah. a really, really I'm good book. I'm excited to read this book. I, it sucks because I have a lot of reading that I need to be doing. Um, I'm going to try to get this one pleasure reading book out of the way. I'm still reading that Star Wars book, um, which is just, it's been, I just haven't had much time to read it, frankly, because by the time you're working all day, you don't want to go home and like, uh, like your brain is just done, you know? Yeah. So I, I will read at work, but, um, but yeah, and that's definitely going to be on my list. I'm excited to, uh, to read that one, but it's cool that you, uh, that you picked it up. Yeah. So that is the worlds we've been exploring. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and hop back into it and finish talking about Denis Villeneuve. Okay, so we have a limited time left, so I think we should quickly talk about a little bit more about Sicario and Prisoners, which are, I think, I think it was good that we associated Blade Runner and Arrival together because they're very similar in their kind of sci-fi uh, tone and filmmaking style that he has, whereas Sicario and Prisoners are probably more similar in that they're both kind of these... Uh, thrillers these tension building thrillers um yeah so you get into some sicario a bit because listen i'm i'm just ready to listen to you talk about this movie because I, I i literally i just bought it on amazon prime i'm going to watch it asap however didn't have the time to watch it before this so tell me about this without trying to spoil too much because i want to i want to be pleasantly surprised <laughs> so i want to talk about two scenes in sicario to kind of like give you a little little glimpse into what the movie's about. Um, admittedly, I haven't seen this movie in probably two years. I've seen it once, so I'm a little bit rusty on the details. But uh, essentially, it's about, uh, I think it's a DEA agent um, going down into Mexico with a, a, a SWAT team, essentially, and they're tracking down a kingpin, I'm pretty sure. Um, it's a really... It's not my favorite Denis Villeneuve movie by any stretch, but it's really interesting because it's very different from all the other ones. Mm -hmm. And once you start making correlations between DV movies, you kind of realize there's a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. This one is not really all that similar to the others. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, when the DEA agents find a house that they feel or they think drugs have been run out of. And uh, Emily Blunt, who is the protagonist for much of this movie, she uh, goes into the house. And what's interesting is all the other agents are locals. They're all from uh, Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't remember exactly where they were in Mexico, but they were in Mexico at this house where they believe drugs have been run out of. And so Emily Blunt goes in there as a young, spunky um, kind of like green, fresh off the presses DEA agent. Yeah. And she's very much like, you can just tell she's almost like not where she's supposed to be kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like she's a fish out of water sort of. This kind of reminds me of Elizabeth Olsen's character in Wind River. Yes. Yeah, it is a lot like that. Okay. Um, except this is admittedly darker. Okay. Um, so in this scene, they go into this house and they're looking around and they don't find anything. And so um, 
they they're looking around they're looking for evidence of drugs paraphernalia there's really not much and they know that they're supposed to find something like they they're expecting to find something and they just don't and so it's this weird moment where there's a lot of intensity built up where you're expecting to see something and you don't see anything and it kind of like robs you of that payoff but then almost by accident emily blunt's character finds a body in the wall in the studs of the wall and then uh she's like she freaks out has a whole moment has to like leave the house and then they tear the house apart and there's bodies in every single wall in the house and they're all like wrapped in plastic they've all been executed and it's like drug deaths essentially where it's just people that have been killed as a result of uh, this this drug corporation what's even crazier is if I remember right, there's a character who's a cop, who's like a dirty cop mm-hmm. that has been turned by the cartel, uh, a, a Mexican cop. And there's this scene with him and his son where he leaves for work. And it's just kind of like this random offshoot scene. And then you find his body in a wall. And it's, it's I don't know, like it's gross. It's so nasty because it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And you're like, oh God, like this is really gross. Um and it hits you how gritty uh, the movie is. Yeah. And see, that's that, see, where that sounds like a very prisoner's thing, though. It does. Um, and there are similarities in that aspect where it kind of like messes with your your head a little bit because you're yeah. like, oh my god, like this is nasty. Um, but so there's that scene, and then there's also one I was talking about earlier where they're on the bridge and mm-hmm. they're looking for uh, cartel members. And it's, I think what made the movie really cool was that you felt like all the protagonists were in a place they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And it truly felt like they should all just die. Like they're in uh, scenarios where it's like they're surrounded on all sides by bad guys. Yeah. And so it feels like all hope is lost a bunch. Um, it feels like they're all going to die a bunch. And in this scene, they're, they're on the bridge and they're, they're walking through trying to find cartel members in cars. And eventually we have this crazy shootout. Um, I think Josh Brolin's character, uh, he ends up killing a bunch of people. It's crazy. Anyway. Um, the (laughs) intensity, the intensity of that scene is absurd. It's so tense. And that's kind of a theme of that movie. There are several, there's three scenes I can think of. The the third one is the last one that would spoil the whole movie, but there's three scenes I can think of that are just extremely tense. Yeah. And, uh, it's really cool how he builds up that tension and he Mm -hmm. literally makes you sit there and you're like, like you're, you feel tight. Like when you watch a movie, and afterwards you get up and you kind of walk around and you're like holy crap my shoulders hurt yeah my back my lower back hurts it's because you've been sitting here tensed up the yeah. whole movie because you're like oh my god what's about to happen next what's about to happen next yeah that's kind of what sicario feels like it's really really cool I in that, that respect though. yeah if you liked intensity tense situations so you'll love sicario yeah well 
since we're kind of running out of time, I'll try to make this quick, but that's kind of how I feel with a lot of scenes in Prisoners. Um, Prisoners is a lot more, um, it, it, it's, you know, kind of, it's just stri- kind of straight in the heart, heart of America, but it's very much like this dark, another dark and kind of rainy. It, it's probably one of the most, like, effed up movie. I don't know if it's like, like, people were telling me, like, that movie's effed up, and I watched it, and I'm like, it wasn't that effed up. Like, it's not that bad, but it's it, definitely. It's like a, a dad and his daughter's kidnapped, right? Yeah. So basically, if I remember right. So it's on Thanksgiving. The these dads, their daughters were kidnapped on Thanksgiving, and it's basically this this huge rabbit trail of them trying to. It, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is a cop. He's trying to. He's a detective, and he's trying to figure out this whole thing. Jake Gyllenhaal. Hugh Jackman, incredible actors, some of their best work, if not their best. I I love them in this movie so much, and um, and yeah, it it is another one of those films that you are just it's constantly. I love it because it is like putting the pieces of the puzzle together, and when you finally get to the end, you're like, oh crap, dude, oh crap, like it. It is really well done, super original, um. Anxiety inducing, but in the best way possible. And it is, yeah, it is just a movie that I'm like, I thoroughly enjoyed the experience that I had just gone through. Um, I love Prisoners, man. That's another one that's just, it really stands out to me. And I, I had always wanted to watch it. And I remember it was actually around Thanksgiving and I was sick and I was like, I want to watch this movie. Like, I want to. Of course, you watched it around Thanksgiving. uh, I remember, because I remember when I saw the trailer for that movie, I was like, I was like, oh, man, I want to see this. This seems really, really interesting. And years later, I watched it because the movie came out in like 2013, maybe. Yeah. Um, somewhere in there. Machines, he came out with two movies in 2013. Also yeah, he came enemy. out with uh, Prisoners in 2013. And then uh, he also S- did Enemy Is it in Sicario was 14? That was 15. 15 and then arrival was 16 and later on 2017 yeah Um, so i'll be honest prisoners is my least favorite dv how dare you (laughs) and it's not because i it's not because the movie is bad it's truly because it's just not in my taste (laughs) it's really tough to like i hate movies of like the the premise of that movie where daughters are kidnapped and then, like, raped and killed, and their dads are looking for them. They're not raped and killed. Oh, that's right. They're not. Yeah, what are you talking about? You're right. They're they're kidnapped. Anyway, they're kidnapped. that that whole thing, I I do not enjoy watching that. I don't know why. Okay, so but that, it's but just, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. But it's I mean, not you have the, to admit that it's really well done. It is, okay. and the acting in that movie is absolutely incredible. It's just super uncomfortable for it's me to watch. It's one of those movies that, like, I love the whole concept of what would you do for the people that you love, or, like, the, for your I daughter. I hate that though, uh, but, dude. <laughs> Hugh Jackman goes to some dark places to get yeah. his daughter back, and I, I love that exploration. Totally watch the Last of or play the Last of Us if you're interested in that as well. Uh, Hugh Jackman would also make a great Joel in that game. Uh, if they because they're doing a live action HBO show, I digress. Um, this movie is not for the faint of heart. No, I totally agree. Um, but it's definitely it, not. But it's something that happens in real life, actually. <laughs> 
um, in terms of like the the kidnapping thing. And so I guarantee, like I saw this and I was like, I could see how there would be fathers out there that when they yeah. when their their daughters or their sons or even their you know their wives or anyone are kidnapped that they would go to a really really dark place because especially if they're a, a kind of a macho man in this the sense that like they are the leader of the house like it and there's just moments in this movie that like you you're just like like it's nail biting tension you know but like you just right. you just want to know more you're like what is going on um and thankfully i would say the movie has a actually kind of a happy ending not a happy ending, but a ending that doesn't make you just want to be like, well, that sucked. Like it, like yeah. it's, um, but it's really well made. I love prisoners. Um, and it's really all I have to say about that. That's all I yeah. got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I need, I need to rewatch it. Uh, it's should. been a while since I've seen it. Come over, man. I've got it on Blu-ray. We'll watch it. Heck yeah, dude. We're yeah. hanging out at Grayson's house. Yeah, man. Watching prisoners. Yeah. <laughs> anyway <laughs> um i need to rewatch it yeah but again the i remember the acting being absurdly good it's just the very, the very premise good. of it was just really hard for me to enjoy watching i don't really understand why it wasn't nominated for i mean maybe it wasn't nominated for anything uh okay academy it was nominated for academy award for best cinematography um, which I can see Roger that. Deakins also did that yep. one. Um, that was the only Academy Award it was nominated for. What? That is. Did a it at least crime. not get? Did it at least not get Gyllenhaal a supporting actor? No. God, he so That's he a got crime. a satellite award for best supporting actor, but he did not get a. Um, he did not get any sort of Academy Award. The only Academy Award was for best cinematography. Um, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that is really, I, really sad. I, it's got, it, this has got a, just a great cast that you've got for, by the way, dude, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is called detective Loki. How could you not love that? All right. Detective Loki. What? That's sick. Also has Paul Dano in it who, Oh, he, I hate Paul Dano. You hate him. He's a great actor, but I don't like looking at him. Oh, yeah. He, he plays characters <laughs> that you definitely hate. But this movie makes me... This is the movie that when I remember I watched this, I got so excited that he's playing Riddler against Robert Pattinson's Batman. Like, ooh, ooh, that's going to be real, real good because he nails the Riddler aesthetic. However, this movie actually profited quite a bit. Budget was only $46 million, and it made... uh, uh Never mind. I made about 122 million. <laughs> so it, like, you got so excited. Yeah, well, you were I mean, like, "Oh, I made movie!" It tripled its money back. That's that's that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good considering the budget was 46 million. Um, I wish everybody could have seen the despair that just came over your face when you realized it only made 122 million. I thought it made 233 million, so I was like, "Oh man, it made like about five times as much." But no, no, it didn't. Um, whoa, wait, Wayne Duvall is in this movie? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people in this movie. Go watch Prisoners. I don't know if it's on any streaming services. I don't think it isn't. Or I don't, I don't think it isn't. I don't think it well, is. Well, on that, on that 
note, wrap it up. I believe Josh. it is time to end. Uh, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you listen to us. Yes, uh, we appreciate those a ton. They mean a lot. They help other people to listen to the podcast. So it's a great way to help us be heard by others. Mm-hmm. You can follow us on Instagram at Rising Action underscore. We're posting some stuff. We're uh, trying to grow that Instagram a little bit. Trying yeah. to grow a community You've of been other people. Hard, and I appreciate you. The dream is to have conversations with people in comment sections about their opinions yeah. about the things we say. I think it would say. be cool if we uh, we started up a Discord for uh, for people who wanted cool. to to pitch us ideas and stuff and just kind of talk about movies and whatnot. Have a little community over there for like the whole seventeen to thirteen people who listen. I'd love to talk with people about storytelling and, and stories that other people are listening to and that get other recommendations. It'd be a fun time. We'll consider it. That'd we'll be awesome. Con- let us know in the comments of our Instagram or DM us or tweet us if you would like to have a uh, maybe a Discord server for Rising Action. And uh, maybe we can maybe we can put that into action. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you okay, did there. Okay, end it you quick before I, by, before I make a stupid joke. <laughs> All right. Uh, th- th- we're going to make like bald men and get out of here. <laughs>